The greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that he didn't exist. But didn't. <laughs> the greatest trick I ever played was convincing you I knew how to talk. <laughs> that and more on this episode of Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know It All. Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know It All, and welcome inside Fanboy's Car. I'm Jake. I'm driving. And Paul is driving. That's right. We're bringing you our show on the road. Yeah. It's it's like a road show. It's a road show. That's really great. It's legit. You yeah. can add that to your CV, Paul. <laughs> we are currently driving in a car. Paul's, in a car. Paul's tiny little clown car. Not my tiny little clown car. It's a fit. It's very spacious on the inside. It's it's a deceptively spacious. It's fit, but don't like call it lit. Just like the TARDIS. Yeah. And we are on our way to see Justice League. Justice League up in Denver. It should be a big moment for both of us. It'll be it'll be a big something. Now, yeah, we've already talked about Justice League a little bit. Yeah, it's one of our, or it was on your list of a dark horse, right? Yeah, yeah. No, and I was on my list of least it. anticipated. Like, yeah, because you really didn't. It could it. be a it could be a big turd. It's it, possible. It could be, or it could be great. Yeah, I gotta say, my enthusiasm for this movie has waned somewhat since we last talked. The trailers haven't been great. Trailers haven't been great. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of confusion. I just wish that they had done. With Justice League, what Marvel did with the Avengers, I think, and, and I just think it's a lack of patience. You know, you should have unpacked these characters a little bit more thoroughly. It feels rushed. Yeah. It feels it feels like a bad date. Oh, and so we'll have to report back to you guys on that date on our return trip. We're bringing we're bringing you our first thoughts. You guys are going to be the first to hear what fanboy and know it all, aka Jake Roberson and Paul Acey, have to think. About Justice League before reviews are written, before tweets are typed or tapped, if you Taps. prefer to use your smart device or iPad or whatever you whatever you like to type on. Anyways, before any of us tweet about any of this stuff, you're going to hear our thoughts. A dashboard review. A dashboard review. of Justice League, and yeah. so that's pretty exciting. That's why we brought the show on the road. We thought, you know what, we want to give you the first impression. Of the first impression. Yeah, no, the, the actual reason we're doing this on the road is because you really wanted to see Justice League, I think, is what happened, right? Well, I mean, that's got to undergird all of this, is that I want to see how big of a flaming turd this is. All right, all right. But uh, anyways, <laughs> before we we've get to that... We've got other things to talk about. We've got other stuff to talk about. Like, you know, I made Paul finally watch The Usual Suspects. The Usual Suspects. And yes. uh, there's some stuff to talk about that, you know. There is some stuff to talk about that. And, and the first thing I want to mention is that all three of the movies that you had me watch, yeah. No Country for Old Men, yep. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, mm-hmm. The Usual Suspects, yep. they're all the exact same movie. <laughs> all they're the exact, all same, the exact movie. same movie. No, they're not. No women... The men are bad. Some are worse than others. You're chasing after this money or something. There's moral ambiguity. There's lots of caperish type of stuff. It's the exact same movie. I gave you. I gave you three very different movies. I gave you Singing in the Rain, uh-huh. 2001: A Space Odyssey, and Vertigo. 
Yep. If we were food reviewers, I would have sent that would be the equivalent of me sending you to a Mexican restaurant, a Thai restaurant, and a Ugandan restaurant or something no. like that. No, you I gave, gave you, me no. three different flavors of Captain Crunch. No, I did. That's not. what you did. No, I did. I it's gave all you the a same spaghetti movie. western. It's very all the different. Same movie. I gave you a fatalistic, uh, nihilistic thriller. And, and really, which one would that be? That would be no that would be all of for them. Men. <laughs> and then I gave you a mind-bending like mystery caper film. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are different films. They are not different. They films. are. They are you're all wrong. the same film. I think you're little nuanced. I think you're, acting. No, I think your palette's not very nuanced. No. <laughs> you only like to you the only di- <laughs> the only difference is like well I gave you a sci-fi and I gave you a musical and I gave you no, a thriller. Here's the thing: but, you only but 2001: one Space kind Odyssey of was a thriller. Two thousand one, a space odyssey, is a thriller, oh, and Vertigo is a thriller. Yourself. Don't try to defend and... yourself. Everyone knows that I am correct on this. <laughs> Highly disagree. I am clicking. This. I am clicking the dislike button. Yeah. The angry reaction on Facebook okay. has been clicked. All right. So, but so the usual suspects. But now it's time for <laughs> the backlist <laughs> hall of shame. Oh. <laughs> you gotta wait I for the segment. You gotta wait for the segment. I'm driving. Break. I'm concentrating. <laughs> I'm not hitting something. We put some music in here. Oh. Cue music now. <laughs> inside the backlist hall of shame inside Paul's tiny car <laughs> where we have car. to squish ourselves squish ourselves inside a tiny vehicle and tell you <laughs> our thoughts on movies that we've never seen before that a lot of other people have <laughs> no let's we have seen them now well, we're not Paul's, just giving yeah, opinions that would now. be a really interesting yeah. segment actually is just give opinions on movies we awesome. haven't seen I could do that segment <laughs> Yes, you might have could. to introduce that segment. Right, Jake's no nonsense, nonsense state reviews. Patrol officer, and luckily we weren't pulled over. Good news, Paul is not speeding. Not well. I am speeding a little bit, but <laughs> but that's not admissible in court. It's not admissible in court because the episode hasn't aired yet. It hasn't aired yet, and Paul uh, wasn't pulled over. So yeah, yeah, uh, no, I'm good. So he's not he's not a crime he's not a crime committer like Kaiser Soze. Oh, very good. What a segue. What a segue for the oh, win. Oh, very nice. So, Paul had never seen The Usual Suspects before. I'd seen it. Right. And so, part of this whole backlist Hall of Shame concept is that, you know, Paul has never seen this movie that's very famous now. Very famous. And uh, I made him watch it. So, Paul. Yeah. Tell me some thoughts. Okay, so, well, do you want to unpack the plot? I mean, such as it is. I the, mean... The plot is a little I, convoluted, so I... It's a little convoluted, and I, and I don't want to spoil the spoiler for any other right. Pauls out there. Right, right, you know? right. So, you can give us just just the, the spoiler-free Wikipedia version. Yeah, so essentially, all, all, these, all these criminals essentially land in, by happenstance, apparently, in the same jail cell. And while they're in the jail cell, they decide to, they decide to do this caper. And this one caper goes off smoothly, and then they do another one, and that doesn't go as smoothly. And then they wind up um, in the clutches of a terrible, terrible, almost boogeyman type of character named Kaiser Soze, who 
Apparently, criminal children are taught from an early age to fear Kaiser Sose, so much so that he becomes sort of like this cautionary tale. Like, yeah, if you like don't the drug do this, pirate Roberts. Yeah, exactly. It, that's exactly right. And so lots of people assume that he doesn't If you don't crime so. right, Kaiser Sose will get <laughs> that's you. exactly right. So it was... Uh, so that's essentially the plot. You've got these these guys all of a sudden in hawk to, to Kaiser Sose where they have to do something for him, and it's a terribly dangerous mission. And so that's essentially where we leave it. Yeah. It stars a whole bunch of famous people, yep. um, including the now-disgraced Kevin Spacey in a very good role, um, and that other dude. Benicio Del Toro? Yeah, who was in... Yeah. Who was in what? Something else. Who was in he was something in else? Traffic, wasn't he? I think he was he in wanted, Traffic. He he's been in a lot of stuff. Award for, for Traffic. And he's most recently been in those. Uh, he's those been in those commercials where he gets mistaken for Antonio Banderas, <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. Those are pretty good commercials. Yeah, those are pretty good commercials. My wife didn't know who Antonio Banderas or Benicio del Toro was when she saw the commercial, so the humor did not register. Yeah. Well, I am. I am suspicious of your wife's <laughs> taste now that she doesn't... She doesn't drink. like R-rated movies, and both of those people do a lot of R-rated movies. Well, yeah, she didn't like 2001's Space Odyssey either, though. Well, but uh, very few people do. Oh, my god. Very few people in sound mind. But anyway, Okay, so anyway, right. my thoughts. The usual suspects, Paul. My thoughts. So so this is a really famous movie. It's, it's fairly well regarded from what I recall. Um, has a nice twist at the end, and, and I really like um, mysteries, Right? Um, oh, so you admit that it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Something that the good, the bad, the ugly, and No Country for Old Men. Oh, that's sort of a mystery of, in its own. So there you go. No, no, they're different the same movies. movies. They're the same movie. <laughs> trust me. All the all the appeal to these movies is exactly the same. Where it's like these really intricate woven um, plots and these morally corrupt and ambiguous men and no women anywhere within the. the that's not true. It's not true. It is almost true. <laughs> but you're blaming these movies for having intricate No, plots? no, no. I'm not oh, saying that. Come I, on. Did come I on. ever say that any of these movies you made me watch are bad? No, I'm just saying that you have, yeah, but you have a truncated taste in what you uh, like okay. in a movie. Sure, sure. So, um, and, and The Usual Suspects was an enjoyable, albeit foul and violent it was it was well done. It was I liked the characters, even though they weren't likable characters. But I liked how they manifested themselves on screen. Yeah. Um, I really liked. Who was that guy? Like uh, Kaiser Sose's main assistant. Oh yeah, what's his name? Kazimoto or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of his name at the moment, but I yeah. know who you're talking about. Yeah. So really liked his characterization. Him, yeah. I thought that he was just tremendous, and Spacey for all of his moral shortcomings he is a really talented actor now that said here's one of the problems that I think um, this movie has in retrospect I, I went into this movie honest to goodness not knowing anything about it oh should I even say this let's see I figured it out okay I figured it out very early on you should say that and See, the reason is, is because of Kevin Spacey plays this sort of um, very cautious, supposedly uh, dumb, um, handy 
handicap, not handicap, but he essentially walks with the limp. He, he's a someone physical who, handicap. Yeah, you don't you don't necessarily. Yeah, he's not he's not mentally handicapped by any means, but he's not thought to be the brightest bulb in the shed either. Right. So people do not in the movie people do not suspect him. The thing is, we know so much about Kevin Spacey characters. Yeah. That we know immediately to suspect him. So I'm not sure if the movie actually telegraphed it significantly enough for me to notice it, or whether it was because of Spacey's character. I knew there was something else behind this guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. Like almost like in retrospect, now that he's got a more full career yeah. since making this movie, that you're like, oh yeah, I've they've u- he's been used like this a bunch. I know how they're going to use him in this movie. Right, exactly. Whereas exactly. when I first saw it, I don't know that... If I, had, if I had ever seen anything with Kevin Spacey, I, I didn't know it at that point. Right. And Was this 92? I believe it was 92, yeah. Early awesome. 90s. And so, uh, you know, by the time I watched it, like he had done plenty of other things, but I was young and I hadn't seen any of his other stuff. Outside of, I think, uh, his role as Hopper in A Bug's Life. And I wouldn't have known that that was him at the time. I only know that now. And so I didn't know anything about Spacey. I didn't know who he was. I didn't recognize him at the time. And uh, so I I didn't have that. So I don't think it was the movie telegraphing it. Yeah. uh, As much as probably the history now knowing Spacey characters that telegraphs it. Yeah. Although I do wonder whether there's something in me. One of the many types of genre movies that I grew up with were these Agatha Christie type of movies. Sure. You know, mystery, that types of things. And and so I've been a little bit conditioned when I see the least likely person. It's that guy. It's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder That's true. whether I... There's a bit of that to it. Yeah. So I, I think that there is... It, it was a well done movie. It was slightly confusing in places. And because part of the movie's charm was um, was the mystery to it all the unpacking of the mystery I think it lost a little something for me because it just wasn't very convincing to me uh, now I love I loved how they painted Kaiser Sose just in terms of his legend yeah. and how people feared him and again I thought that that his main henchman was was really brilliant and ominous and in in his own deferential almost butler type of way so I thought that it was a well crafted movie but in terms of what I think the movie wanted me to react at the end and the way the movie probably made a lot of people react when it was first out it just didn't work for me on that level and and that's part of the problem sometimes with these movies that have been out for a long time is either A the spoiler is truly spoiled for you like when I finally saw The Sixth Sense like some people had told me many many times that oh he's really dead and oh so, that's such a sad thing you know that's by the good movie yeah by the time I saw the sixth sense I knew from the beginning he's dead and so there was no wow factor to the movie at all right it was like yeah this is a this is a fine movie it's well made but I know it happens and so yeah, there's we, no there's no mystery or excitement to it yeah we may have even talked about this on a previous podcast but that that was the movie that that I did not see coming at all. I almost literally jumped up on my chair. I was so surprised by the <laughs> ending for that. And 
Yeah. That was that was a really effective movie in terms of the surprise. Right. And then other and then other things can be ruined for us just by the sheer nature of who is in it. Right. Like especially in history where it's like, well, I know they're using this character and I've they've done it since and so I kind of know where they're going with it or I know the character and flavor of this actor and the way they do things and so it kind of can take some of that magic out in yeah. retrospect at times. At times. Um, yeah, and, and again, it doesn't detract from the quality of the movie. I think the movie still holds together pretty effectively. Yeah. Um, I still enjoyed the movie, um, but it was... It, I don't think it worked quite as well as it could have. Yeah. And it's one of those movies, too, that has lived on as a meme as much as it has a movie. Of course, that quote that I opened the show with... Which is a great is quote. A very, is now hugely classic, and I think a lot of people... you know, I, I And I think it's very true. And, I mean, to get theological for a minute, I right. think that it's true. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to the fact that sometimes the most insidious evil you know, disguises itself as nothing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and tells us that it is nothing. Don't worry about it. It doesn't exist. There is no evil. And and then we're, and then once we're convinced that there is no evil, you know, we lose our ability to sense it, you know, that, that allows it to operate with a lot of impunity mm-hmm. when we're essentially yeah. no, blind I, to it. And it's interesting because this sort of gets us to, to kind of one of those those big cultural moments that we're in right now. You know, I think that that in some ways we've seen that that reflection that there is no evil in in a few of the movies we see where where there's so much moral ambiguity that it can, that it can be hard to um, suss out right from wrong. Right. I think that some there are a few movies that even suggest that there really aren't there really isn't a right and wrong in certain situations. Um, and then you have a moment that Spacey found himself very much in. The, uh, the, all the news we've been seeing about Harvey Weinstein and, and Spacey and Louis C.K. And all of a sudden, there comes to be this, this sort of cultural realization. Yes, there really is right and wrong. Right. There really is, is this sense of, of good and evil. And it's not just... You know, and I think that that's... It's an interesting moment that we find ourselves in where you have sort of this moral clarity that is coming through within these cultural conversations right now. Yeah. And, and you know, you have to hope that it makes a lasting impact because we've lived in that world for years now that has said your, your sexuality only is, is whatever you want. Right. You know, there is, there's no morals to it, you know, whatever makes you feel good. And now we're being confronted by saying that it, there is no evil. There is no sin. Now we're being confronted full on in the face with it, which is very similar to yeah. what we deal with in the movie The Usual Suspects. Yeah. Um, but what are we actually going to do with it? Yeah. Is a harder question and one the movie doesn't really address. It's no. more about the the devil's in this sense, the devil's trickery. Yeah. And much less. There's really no answer as far as what does the layperson do in the face of that. Right, right, right. And, and in some ways, I think that the movie encourages you to root for the devil. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about uh, the Spacey character, we are meant to be very impressed with how, how he worked, what he worked out, out. Right. And, and on some level, I can, I can really buy into that. I mean, I really like uh, the cleverness of, 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 
the plot and all that kind of stuff, how it sort of unpacks and, and just how everything sort of manifested itself. But at the same time, it, it, it's really interesting how movies like this, they can trick you as a movie reviewer to be rooting. And I will admit to you, I was rooting for Spacey to walk out scot-free. Yeah. I did not want him to get caught. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Right. I just find that interesting that a person like me who works for a for a Christian website who will not play video games certain ways because if they violate, you know, what I consider within the video game world right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that I would be rooting for essentially this really terrible person who has killed people during the course of even this movie. Right. Ruin lives, you're rooting for him to get away just because it's so clever. Right. And therein lies the rub. Like, I think that's what, you know, we like stories with moral ambiguity because we live and operate in a world with a lot of moral ambiguity. But where that leaves us when we dance with that too much is it leaves us with, like, the ability to kind of morph ourselves into these ambiguous beings yeah. and find ourselves rooting for things that we really ought not to be so enamored by. Right, right. But when they're so cleverly portrayed and we're like, well, there's a lot of ambiguity anyways, it's like, well, it's it's not such a big deal anymore for us to, to you know, kind of fall in line with it. Yeah, no, it really is easy. And I think that that expresses what I've expressed many, many times, the power of story. You know, the stories are so powerful to our to our psyche and to our emotions and, and I think that that really good stories not only make us think but they can make us <laughs> in some ways they can make us think in that moment very out of character for us right um, and it's just fascinating oh, and the usual suspects is a prime example of that so there you have it folks uh, Paul what would you uh, you know now in retrospect Having watched the movie finally, what rating, what score would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10, objectively and or subjectively? So I got to be honest. I think that even even though I kind of – the ending was sort of telegraphed to me, I think that I might have enjoyed this movie on some level more than the other two that you forced me to watch. Mm-hmm. Even though, Even though – all the time I was thinking this is exactly the same sort of movie. <laughs> I think that I would probably, um, and obviously you can you can do your content caveat warning because it's really a foul movie. Content caveat with Paul Acey. But in terms of just the plotting and the scripting and how it all sort of played out, I think I would give it a, a 7 or an 8, yeah. honestly. Yeah. That's not too shabby. And there you have it, folks. The backlist hall of shame, to a to a conclusion. For now, we've we've made each other watch a couple of films that neither of us had ever had watched before. Well, actually, that each of us had only not watched our own. <laughs> you know what? Just go back and listen to them because I described it better in the initial episode. <laughs> Movies that I hadn't watched before that I really should have that Paul made me watch, and vice versa. And uh, we hope well, we might bring this back someday, the Backlist Hall of Shame. Because there's still a lot extra... of worthwhile movies that neither of us have seen. There are. Especially you, Jake. Especially me. And uh, we like we like diving into them because there's interesting things we can learn from even the past, yeah. as we've learned in this little series. Yeah, and I know that the next time, I'm uh, when I get really in the mood to watch 
movies without any women and with <laughs> bad men doing cool things outside the realms of the law, then we will bring it back because I know that's what you'll give <laughs> He knows me. that's what Jake is going to yeah. pick. Well, or it could just be, Paul, that those are just the movies that you haven't watched. So those were the only ones I could add to your list. <laughs> Captain Crunch. Three flavors of Captain Crunch. Which is a... Not not a thing. I, I mean, are there? There Captain, totally are three. Flavors are there three of flavors Crunch. of Captain Crunch? Yeah. Only Paul would know that because he's probably <laughs> had all three of them oh, today yeah. at the same time. I'm a purist in one bowl. Oh, don't I wish? <laughs> I wish. Uh, but uh, now that we've wrapped up the Pagless Hall of Shame, it's time to get right back to the front pages with Justice League. Welcome back inside Paul's tiny little fit. <laughs> it's a great fit, TARDIS. It's a great fit, TARDIS. Yeah. And uh, so we've we've walked out of Justice League. Not in the middle. We made it to the very we end. We made it to the end. Made it through the credits. Made it all the way through the credits. All the way through the credits. They were long credits. When you watch the Justice League, it is important to stay to the end of the credits. Because there's something there. There's something there. And, lots of names. Yeah, lots of names. And, and a scene... Yeah, it'll it'll be remain to be seen if you think it's an important scene, but there is a scene. Yeah, there's two scenes. One, they copy one early, one Marvel night. in so many different ways, you know, well, including and, the the ending scene. Yeah, and and both you know both Marvel and Universe have swapped things over the years. Marvel and DC universes. Yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty common for them. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I think Marvel's done the swapping once in a while, from what I know. It hasn't always been DC. But no, yeah, no. DC, from my experience, DC was always the, the big guy. You know, they have the, the big three heroes, which makes them, I think, I think historically the more important player. You know? Yeah. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, that's like the... They're the most iconic superheroes. They're the most iconic superheroes. They were the first. They're, in some ways, I still think the best. So, it... In my soul, I'm still a DC guy, I think, because yeah. of that. But you have to say in your soul. But And, and I will note, we're going to do this spoiler-free. We know this movie's just out, so we're going to give you our thoughts on the movie. We're not going to give you any spoilers. We're not going to tell you who the villain is. They've kept a lid on it. We won't spoil it. So you guys can keep listening. But, uh, but, at the same, but like you said, you like to think of DC as still being the big guy. When it comes to the cinematic universe, oh, yeah, they no, are no, still... No. And Justice League shows that Wonder Woman was a just a, a blip. <laughs> so okay, so they are still not in the same. Yeah, universe. so we need to we need to actually specify these. This is the first you're getting. Not only you're hearing our reaction for the first time, but we're hearing each other's reactions. This is for true. The first time. We did so not we talk. Did not a actually, talk at all about the movie coming out. It was so, a silent treatment. So I gather, Jake, that you were not enamored with this movie. I wasn't. I was not. All right. So Wonder Woman, you liked. Wonder Woman, I liked. I thought that was a competent story. You know, it was told pretty well. Sure, you know, some of the special effects were obviously special effects, but from a story perspective, from a character perspective, I thought Wonder Woman, you know, and you guys can go back and, if you missed it, hear our thoughts on Wonder Woman, but I thought it was a great exploration of that character, and it had a, you know, a pretty decent villain 
to draw the action along, you know? Best best standalone superhero movie outside the Captain America movies, probably, for me, my money. I thought Wonder Woman was great. Well, and except for, you know, Christopher Nolan, Batman. Right. That, but that's sort of a given, right? Yeah. That's that's way up there. Yeah. So, so, okay, so you liked Wonder Woman. Liked Wonder Woman. You hated Batman versus Superman. Did not like Batman versus Superman. So where does Justice League fall on that spectrum? I think I think if Wonder Woman was a solid 9 for me and Batman versus Superman was a solid 3 for me, this one might be a 3.5. Oh my goodness! Wow! It just felt so bland and nothing. Bland and nothing. Like I, the the villain felt rote, you know, as such as it was. Like it just felt, it felt so generic, really. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel creative. The comic relief, I thought, fell flat almost all the time. There was very little character to any of the characters, in my opinion. Like even Wonder Woman, who we got fleshed out in the last movie fell flat for me in this movie. Not that Gal Gadot did a terrible job, but they just did nothing with her. And they didn't move anybody along, hardly at all. And they, like, in the movie meandered. You know, you're such a, you're such a Debbie Downer. Yeah, but, but see, when I was high on Guardians after we saw it, you said I was too optimistic. You were way too optimistic. (laughs) So. No, that was, that was, you were overrated that movie. Sure. But, man, it just, felt like somebody was going through the motions on this. Yeah. It didn't didn't feel original to me. It didn't feel like there was any heart to it. All right. So, let me let me offer a counter to that. And let me just say that this was not I don't think this was a this was Well, let me just give you my reaction. I think that for me Justice League was both a pleasant surprise and a disappointment. I think that um, some of your criticism, I think, really holds weight. But I wanted to get to, like, the good stuff first. Sure. We can right? talk some good stuff. For me... If you found any. <laughs> for me, the humor worked often. I think that they tried... One of the things that you noticed in this movie is a conscious effort to get away from the darkness that we saw in Batman versus Superman and... Man of Steel and whatnot. I think that I think that there was definitely an attempt to lighten the mood up, and more than lighten the mood up, I think I really appreciated the um, optimistic message that they were talking about here. I think that there was a message of of hope and of teamwork and of the need to um, to fight the darkness where we see it. And I think that that, that I really appreciated. Um, we saw we saw heroes that acted like heroes to me, with some rough spots here and there. Um, but I think that the heroes here really felt heroic, and I appreciated that. Um, I really liked uh, the Flash in this, who's played by somebody who I really should know, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember his name either. Yeah. Yeah, but he's a very good actor. I thought he was pretty funny in this. And you're right. I think that some of the humor felt a little bit forced, but some of it landed. And some of it, even the stuff that didn't necessarily land as well as you wanted to, I think that that might just be because we've heard it before in the trailer. You know, 
what's your superpower? Someone asks Batman. I'm rich. You know, that's a pretty good line, but we already heard it. Sure. So it doesn't have quite a, kind of that same impact that, that it might otherwise have. Um, so those were kind of my good reactions. What Was there anything that you liked about this movie, Jake? Um, to be honest, like, I'm... I'm I'm having a, I didn't hate the movie. Hate's a strong word. It just felt so nothing to me. Mm-hmm. I cannot really think of anything that stood out to me as, oh, I actually thought this part was done really well. I There was nothing in it for me that stood out as, that was good, you know. You know, one of the things that stood out to me is that Superman felt like Superman. Well, that's a spoiler. You know, I think, yeah, it was a spoiler. Sorry. But I think that when we see Superman become Superman again, he felt he felt like he should feel. Like, I think they got his character more right in this one than we've seen before. Well, because he's, he's got more of the shiny ethereal yeah and we can't talk about this movie with god like because because superman he's he's all a part of this movie well yeah and it's highly i mean know, they telegraphed it yeah and at it's, the end of batman versus superman and the whole thing and is they telegraphed very aspirational, it in the right? trailers and so yeah you knew you knew superman was showing up it's all about it's all about people following not only superman but superman's example and i think that superman's example here shines Brightly, uh, but what is his example here? Like again, literally nothing. Yeah, no, that's not he, true. He wakes up. He wakes up. He now, goes don't to get his into spoilers. He wakes up, goes to his mom's house, All and right. then joins the fight. Yeah, but see, I think like that, there's there's literally nothing from him there. One of the things that we see though is that he. Uh, one of the things that that when you look at the the cartoon Superman, right, like the new cartoon. Sometimes the appeal of that character is that he's a really good guy who has a strong sense of right and wrong, and he really shows that in sometimes some really impressively violent ways. <laughs> you know, for for lack of a better word, I think that I think that sometimes you do like to see the bully get taken down. Sure. Superman is the guy who does that. And you see him, you know, there's a great line in the movie where he says, you know, I'm I'm all for truth, but I'm all about justice too. And then he pulls out out some some, justice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it felt like this was a good a good version of Superman. Now Superman is never going to be the most multi-dimensional character just by his very nature. He's he is just a good guy and good guys don't necessarily have the moral ambiguity or the complexity of say, you know, a Christopher Nolan Batman or whatnot. But I think that for Superman, that purity of purpose, I think that Superman works in this movie. Yeah, I mean he works as Deus Ex Mahina. Really? Well, I mean literally. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that really, to me, felt like his only purpose in yeah, this film. Yeah, but 
But how can you get away from that with Superman in anything? Sure. He is... It's part of the problem with Superman as a superhero, I think. Is mm-hmm. that no. He's, he's so invulnerable to basically anything that... Really, all the ways they've tried to even make him vulnerable have always felt forced to me. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess I, I kind of have a problem with Superman in general as a superhero because I don't find him that compelling. Which I think is valid. I mean, I find... I find at times that he's a really refreshing character. And he does, again, provide that moral clarity that I think Wonder Woman does as well. But I think there's... Because Superman is so iconic and so recognizable, it was nice to see... It was nice to see him act like Superman. And I think you even saw that, even in his outfit. And this could be completely my imagination, but it seemed like in Henry Cavill's very first turn as Superman, they they made a conscious effort to make the the suit darker and you know a, more of a navy blue as opposed to that that vibrant sky blue that you typically see. Right. I and think in this Reeves. one, his suit almost reflected sort of the optimism that he was supposed to reflect. And I think that 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 was sort of an interesting uh, that was sort of an interesting touch to me. Yeah, I think my problem is that. Overall, the movie to me just felt so much like a cash grab that it was almost funny. Yeah. Like, in in that it didn't seem like there was any interest in fleshing these characters out. And And it made me think of something, Paul, that you brought up before in a conversation in that... DC is just kind of trying to rush through yeah. these stories in order to try to catch up with Marvel, and I don't think they're doing them any service. But the problem is, Paul, we're people, we, the people, are still paying to go see these movies. Yeah. So they're going to keep doing it. Well, and here's here's the interesting thing, and this sort of goes into kind of my my negatives about this movie because I really do believe that that there's a lot of validity to that. I think that when I watch this movie, and I don't think that you're wrong also about it being a little bit more shallow than you'd like it to be. The villain does feel a little bit cartoonish and cardboard. Um, the The thing that, that I mentioned to a couple of people as we were walking out of the theater is that it, it really does feel rushed, Yeah, you know? You had, and it led to some really strange, forced conversations within this. I mean, you're you're introduced to three new characters in Justice League. You're introduced to the Flash. You're introduced to Cyborg. You're introduced to Aquaman, and all of them had these little condensed uh, exposition, expository uh, explanations of why they are who they are. Right, and you don't really get to know them well at all. Yeah, like, why is Aquaman, like, a punk rock wannabe cowboy? Yeah, it's, it was... Who, but he lives in, he, like, visits a town in, like, Russia or Poland or yeah. somewhere. Like, what what's up with that? Yeah, no, and in that respect, I think that you're right. I think that, I think that this was... You can almost see the wheels turning in Warner Brothers in DC's mind where, you know, they see the, the phenomenal success of the Avengers and they say, I gotta get me some of that. Right. Which is an understandable impulse, but I think what they sort of missed is that the effort and um, the intentionality with the way that Marvel has rolled out its Avengers universe, where it really took a lot of time and a lot of effort to flesh out these characters. And granted, it didn't hurt that these characters were also 
making money hand over fist, sure. you know, with their individual movies. But I think that there was something really, um, in terms of the narrative, in terms of the wider narrative of the uh, of the Marvel universe. To get to know these characters, you don't feel as cheated by their lack of screen time when they're all together in the right. Avengers. And, and in Justice League, you felt cheated by almost everybody because you wanted more of them. And, right. and because DC didn't have the patience to give some of these folks a little bit more space to breathe, to let their stories sort of unpack themselves, I think... That we leave feeling a little bit cheated. Yeah. All, every single one of the, the DC team-up movies that we've watched so far in the last couple of years, from Batman versus Superman to Suicide Squad, now to Justice League, I have left saying, you know what? There was some. There was a good movie in here, and it was an individual character's movie that they just totally brushed past. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, and I got to... This is where I got really irked with yeah. this movie... Is while they well, I think they got closer to Superman's character, right? The makers, and I think I think Zack Snyder might have directed at least part of this. Still He's credited with some of the story, at least. Yeah, they still have no idea who Batman is as a character at all. Right. I mean, he was a much better guy in this one than he was in Batman versus Superman, where he was branding criminals. But good heavens, so many guns! So many guns, people! Batman does not shoot things with all these guns, at least in my experience. Even undead locusts? No! Soldiers? No, he doesn't do guns. He just does not do guns. Right. And I can understand the impulse, if you don't... I can understand the impulse to want to put a gun in Batman's hands, because really, when you're talking about some of these these team-up movies and Batman is by far the least powerful right. of all of these people you want to give him something to shoot right. but he doesn't do that that no. is not what Batman does and so it always feels like a betrayal of the character to me when I see this version of Batman doing his thing right yeah and because it's hard to mask him when you get all these other characters in there when he's by himself you can you can mask some of those parts of his inefficiencies as a non-super right. superhero. Right. But when you're putting him next to somebody that can run faster than the speeding bullet, and you're putting him next to Superman and Wonder Woman, who's yeah. fully realized her powers, and a cyborg who can apparently read all of the internet and everything in the universe. Yeah, he's... And also develop the ability to fly overnight, you know, just randomly. Uh, like, Batman quickly is very conspicuous and that's very obvious in this movie well and I think even his tech pales yeah there's nothing impressive about his tech in this movie well his his tech is actually super super impressive but but I didn't feel like it came through in this movie like obviously we know that about Batman but yeah no I I really liked his his little tech crawler thing I thought that was really cool and he has a really cool looking but it was useless what did it do it did literally nothing in that whole scene well it did it did something but it didn't do as much as perhaps it could have I mean you have a point in that but I do too sure where where his tech is really cool but it still pales in comparison to some of the the abilities that we see manifested in these other heroes you know and, and so Batman becomes sort of this this try really hard guy. He's like the Rudy of the team. Yeah. You know, where he doesn't have necessarily the skills or 
the abilities, but man, he tries hard, so he and has he, a spot. And he's money bags. Yeah. <laughs> Which we've known about Bruce Wayne, but he just is legitimately the money bags. Well, and I think that that's one of the reasons why Batman has always sort of excelled in standalone stories. I mean, I've always, as a kid, I always liked the Justice League, and I always thought that that was really cool. And I think that that in some of the stories that I remember, you know, Batman's technology and his skills came across a little bit better. But I think that one of the reasons why Batman works so well as a standalone hero is because his he's a little more grounded in reality. Yeah. He doesn't really belong in a world where there's so many weird aliens. I mean, he belongs in sort of the 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 dark, dank streets of Gotham City fighting psychopathic killers and whatnot. But right. when it comes to aliens, that's, that's a lot more Superman's world. And, and I just feel like Batman just doesn't have a lot of mooring in that type of world. Yeah. Superman, well, of course, does. I mean, that's that's who he is, and so it's very natural that he would fight those people, but Batman, not so much. Right. Well, and to that, you know, speaking of aliens and fighting aliens, the way they were setting this story up with, uh, you know, with the with Superman coming back into the picture and these para, what were they called? Paratrooper zombie aliens. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they were what we saw sort of foreshadowed in Batman versus Superman. Right. Right? With where Superman and his Batman dream, were right? his, his, yeah, where like super or Batman's sort of like vision slash nightmare yeah. that ends up being interrupted by none other than Barry Allen, the Flash, sort of moving through time and space to warn Bruce yeah. about Superman. Right? That was that was a big part of Batman versus Superman. And Batman's motivation to take out Superman in that movie, uh-huh. and it looked like they were setting up that storyline. You know, we're introduced to this, uh, like, oh my gosh, this locust-like zombie, you know, alien right away in Justice League. It's like, right. and I'm like, all right, they're setting up what they, you know, were teasing in Batman versus Superman. This could be kind of interesting, yeah. Especially as they set up how they're bringing back Superman. Yeah. And then they completely sidestep it. Don't even reference it. Like, that's not even a concern for Batman himself, who literally had that nightmare vision. Yeah. No, and, and you know, the other thing, and I'm not sure I'm not sure if this is a spoiler, but the main thing that they're kind of running after, can we talk about that, sure. Jake? So they have these, these really powerful cubes that have lots and lots of power. It's always about the cube. It's an all-spark. It's a tesseract. Well, and see, it's that was the other thing. It a felt, cube in this, too. It felt so very much like the Infinity Stones yeah. from the Avengers, you know? And again, like, oh, just, like cube heroes, just like <laughs> just, just like the heroes, just like the heroes, the story wasn't impacted very well. I mean, you have Wonder Woman telling what these cubes are all about, but there's no really lead up to it. There's no real um, effort to make us understand the power. They just sort of become this thing yeah. that becomes an excuse for a, I think an entertaining but fairly run-of-the-mill superhero movie. Yeah. You know? I think it was I think it was in the un, and unremarkable and for a movie like The Justice League you kind of want it more than, you know, then, serviceable. Yeah, like, it's the kind of movie I might watch in a hotel as I'm falling asleep in a couple of years. Yeah. I because like it to, happens to be running on 
yeah. TNT or FX or something. Yeah, I, I liked it more than you did, and I'm sure that as I write about it, um, <laughs> I will unpack more than maybe I liked and some things that I didn't like. Um, I would. You gave it a three and a half. I'd, I'd probably give it a six. That's pretty generous. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think that again, I appreciated the humor, I appreciated the fun um, and I think that they did some things well while they completely failed at other things and I think that it was before Marvel came along and did their thing before we had such a tremendous year in the world of superhero movies yeah. um, I think that this would have been seen as a pretty good movie but we're kind of spoiled at this point we are because I mean we got we had Wonder Woman this year we had Logan this year we had Spider-Man this year we've had Thor this year you know and yeah. all of them all were these, just fantastic yeah, movies really solid Guardians movies. of the Galaxy which was the weakest of that group was yes. still a solid movie it was still a solid movie. movie see and I would put I would put Justice League maybe on par or slightly behind Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and I th- and I think that I still would say that's too generous to Justice League. At least Guardians works in some unique concepts and characters, and it ca- like the team dynamic is more solid than what I felt like you got in Justice League, and that's where I, I to me that's where I still don't even think that compares. But the problem is, Paul, everybody's gonna go see Justice League this weekend. And yeah. they're going to make more movies because we're not going to make them learn their lesson. You know, I think that they are trying to get better. I think the Justice League was sort of in process when, you know, during the whole Suicide Squad, during the whole Batman versus Superman thing. I think, uh, I think that, I think that DC may be able to get their um, their worlds kind of kind of figured out, but. Justice League did not do it. I don't know. Wonder Woman they did. got so and many I think pieces that, out there that, that Wonder are Woman, not good. <laughs> I think that Wonder Woman has, um, definitely gives them a template for ways to go forward. Sure. I'm almost thinking that it may not come until the next universe reboot. Sure. Um, which would be a shame because it would be sad to lose Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. She's phenomenal. But I do think that I do think they understand a little bit more what they've done wrong and what can make it better. Time will tell, Paul. But for now, that's our dashboard review of Justice League, fresh out of the screening. And now on to the most least important thing. Welcome inside the most least important thing, the way we like to wrap up every show of ours. <laughs> Even though Paul never remembers. I have only forgotten twice. Only forgotten twice. Today. <laughs> so I'm leading off today. Uh, but guys, uh, by the time you hear this, you may have already heard that Amazon has licensed a new show... That's going to be a prequel to The Lord of the Rings. See, this you took mine. 
I took Paul's. That's what happens, Paul, when you forget about what we're doing here. But uh, what, it, like, you know, okay, the, we'll get past the obvious part that, all right, The Hobbit is the prequel to The Lord of the Rings. So it's a bit of a misnomer to say it's a prequel to The Lord of the Rings because The Hobbit's a prequel, The Silmarillion's a prequel. There's a lot of prequels to The Lord of the Rings. So what does a prequel mean is left to be said, you know, left to be known. We don't know yet, right? Right. And, you know, the sh- the vi- even the video games, Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor, those are all prequels was, to Lord of the Rings. Though they're not technically... Thanks a lot for taking my other one. You can, you can still talk about it, Paul. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything other than the fact that even if it's not technically canon, it's in the universe and it's prequels. So there's a lot left to be learned about what a prequel, Amazon prequel to The Lord of the Rings will be. But it's, I mean... I am cautiously optimistic just because I'm a fan of the Lord of the Rings universe. And so I'm excited that it's not done being explored. And yet, you know, Amazon hasn't proven that they're great at TV shows the way, you know, HBO or Netflix have proven to be top notch. And so I'm a little bit, that's why I'm cautious is will they, will they actually do it justice? Or are they going to Peter, you know, because even great directors like Peter Jackson, who did the amazing Lord of the Rings trilogy, could do a bad Hobbit trilogy. Oh, it was terrible. So. Yeah. We'll see. I'm optimistic, but cautiously so. The Lord of the Rings on Amazon. Paul, what's your most least important thing? So, Jake, I just happened to see a movie last night that, uh. That was actually pretty good. It was called. It's called the Man Who Invented Christmas. It's about Charles Dickens. Santa Claus. No, no, Charles Dickens and his writing of, <laughs> of a Christmas Carol. Yeah, the the name is a little bit <laughs> inaccurate, but it's a really nice story. And being a Dickens guy, I really like Dickens. I've got like fifteen Dickens books <laughs> in my in my bookcase. Uh-huh. So. He's really good. Big fan of the Dickens. Got it. I love the Dickens out of the Dickens. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but it's a really nice movie. It's a kind of creative retelling of a story that we've heard ad nauseum and kind of how the story came to be. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice little bit of holiday fare. If you who stars watch in this it. movie? It actually stars Dan Stevens, who was the guy from um, that one show, Downton Abbey. Oh, who did he play in Dan- Downton? He uh, he played Lady Mary's hubby until he died in a car oh, crash. Matthew? Yeah, Matthew. Yeah. yeah, so so he's very good in it, and it also stars Christopher Plummer. CP! As Scrooge. Uh, and he's that, that dude's a great, great. He'd be a great Scrooge. He is a great Scrooge. How old Scrooge. is he now? I he, thought it, to be honest, I thought he was dead. No, he's 147 years old. <laughs> So and he is he is really still quite good despite yeah. being 147. He, I bet he sounds like he'll be a great Scrooge. I might have to see it now. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a fun, sweet, um, somewhat poignant, really surprisingly funny story. Well, there you go. I like humor. So uh, the man who invented Christmas. When this when's that bad boy coming out? It's coming out uh, November twenty second, I believe. A little Thanksgiving movie action. A little Thanksgiving movie action. So be looking for it because it might be worth your time. There you go. And there you have it for this episode of podcasting in cars with dudes. 
But that's not what we our show is called. We made it home safely. That's we, the other most. That's true. We didn't thing. crash. This would have been a really sad episode <laughs> if somebody had to assimilate uh, posthumously. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, thanks uh, so much for listening in. Be sure to catch up with us. Let us know if you see Justice League, uh, which one of us you agree with. And uh, if you see the man who invented Christmas, let Paul know that you're grateful for the recommendation. Unless you hate it. Unless you hate it, then be doubly sure to let me know so I can harass him mercilessly. But that's all for this episode of Pop Culture with Fanboy Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm not driving anymore. Paul's not driving anymore. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye. Bye.